All right, church. Um, so it was two weeks ago that I, I began to tell you about the fact that Jesus, who always does what he says and says what he does, was, was, was shifting gears a little bit from just saying these things like uh, uh, repent and, and be baptized and be healed and, and, and it's open for the Jews and it's open for the Gentiles and the kingdom of heaven is greater than the kingdom of earth and all of these things. And he's preaching, he's teaching. He, he starts to actually live them out in real life. First, healing the centurion's servant and then healing the widow's son who was dead, bringing him back to life. And that was the last thing that happened. And I told you that there were these three stories. and There was no way I could preach them in one day. So I was going to break them up over three weeks. All right. So we did the first one. It was like 11 verses. We did the second one. It was like six or seven verses. Well, the thing is, chapter seven of Luke has like 40 something verses. Okay. And so the next story starts at 36. So I had these three stories all planned out and I was like week one week two week three and my favorite is the one that was supposed to be for this week the problem is there are 17 verses in between all right and you never really hear them read. You never really hear them touched upon. All right. You don't really hear them preach that often. The easy thing would be just to jump right on to the next thing. Right. Except that I want my yes to be yes and my no to be no, except that we are a church that believes in the scripture, that the foundation is the word. We believe in the living word, Jesus, and the word of God. And if I go bouncing around and saying, I preach through the gospel of Luke, except for these 17 verses, because they didn't accommodate my sermon series. All right, that doesn't work. We don't believe in it if it has to work around us. So in action today, I want, I want to live that out and straight up. Art camp this week, not the time to try to do a passage that nobody ever preaches on, right? It's just kind of this oddness in the middle until I got to dig in, until I got to read about it, and it actually connects the very beginning of Luke and these stories to the next one. What we see here as Jesus teaches in this situation, we're going to see played out in real life, almost parable-like, except it actually happens next week. So I'm going to read straight down through here. It's a few verses, but you're going to see in between raising a kid from the dead, woo and then, you know, the, the woman who comes and pours perfume on Jesus's feet, right? Great story, lots of deep theology there, excited about next week, but all of a sudden we got this in the middle. So here we go. I might comment a little in the middle, but we're going to read through first and then we'll come back and see what God has to say to us. John's disciples told him all about these things. John is John the Baptist, okay, from the beginning of the book. And all, all of the miracles and the sermons and all of that stuff had made their way through the, 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 the chain of people talking about them back into where he was. We'll get to that in a minute. He called two of them. So John had disciples, people that followed him, people in his church, so to speak. He called two of them and he said, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come? Or should, should we expect someone else? This is John the Baptist, folks. This is the forerunner, the preacher that introduced Jesus, the guy that baptized Jesus, sends a messenger to Jesus to say, are you the man? Or are you the man's man or will there be another man? Now, we're going to come back to why in a minute. 
But if I'm these two brothers, I'm, 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 I would have done exactly what they did. The men came to Jesus and they said, John the Baptist sent us to you. I would have been like that too. I wouldn't have been like, hey, are you the man? I'd be like, somebody else wants to know. All right. John the Baptist sent us to ask you, let's clarify, are you the one who is to come? Who was and is and is to come? Are you him or is there going to be a brother from another mother? All right. Is there somebody else? At that very time, different translation, during that same hour, okay? Craig version. For the 60 minutes that happened from the question till 60 minutes later, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. He replied to the messengers, go back, okay? After some time had passed, now go back. And tell John what you have seen and what you, no stories, no mama said that John said that his puppy, no, go tell him what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have been leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Interesting phrase there. All right. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And after John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. All right. So everybody's like, weren't those guys disciples of John? And did they did they just do what I think they did and, and question him? Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. They're not in the wilderness. But what did you go see? A prophet? You bet. I tell you, more than a prophet. So he goes to bat for John by using their actions. All right? We'll come back. But then he quotes And he's quoting Isaiah. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. I tell you among those born of women, no one is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John is the man. However, anybody who understands my kingdom is even better than him, even the smallest of them. Wait, what? There's just all kinds of, over here, over here, over here, over here. You wonder if Jesus had his Ritalin, all right? I mean, all the people, oh, there's a better one coming. Just hold tight. All the people, even the, and, and here's the explanation in the parentheses. Interesting. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus's words, when Jesus said what Jesus needed to say, they acknowledged that God's way was right. Because they had been baptized. Remember, it's not just this. They had been covered in. They had immersed themselves in the understanding of a baptism of repentance, of a turning from the old ways and a becoming new. There must be a turning away from the old and allowing God to make you new. There must be. There is no good news without this. Say what you want. Come to church. Don't come to church. Say what you want. Without Jesus in your heart, without the confession and repentance of sin, there is no good news. That is the good news. Never let that be forsaken or mistaken. But the Pharisees and the experts rejected God's purpose 
for themselves because they had not been baptized. They had not come to an understanding. They weren't willing to repent. Ooh, there it is. They weren't willing to repent. Jesus went on to say, to what then can I compare the people of just this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in a marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. All right. I mean, this, that one's easy, guys. You need to be thinking about, oh, art must have fallen or something. You need to be thinking about this. When, when the music comes on, all right, there, there, there's two types of people. There are people who are like, yeah, and there are people who are like, mm-mm, ain't nobody gonna watch me, mm-mm, I'm white, mm-mm. You think I'm joking? It happened this morning. It happened this morning. Bev's like, I saw it with my own two eyes. Some people are like, I'm with it. Look at the kiddos. Others are like, mm-mm, I'm in church. no. It's really weird, isn't it? It's two different worlds. But hey, Jesus uses a great analogy here. For John the Baptist came neither, this is great, for John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, so John didn't eat the bread or drink the wine, and you called him a demon. The son of man came and ate with the sinners and drank the wine, and you call him a glutton and a drunkard. Wisdom is proved right by all her children. Actions speak louder, right? You can say it's cute. You can say it's good, but you're not involved. Mm-hmm. Actions speak. All right. Let's start at the beginning. The first thing you have to understand is what we just read about until you know John's situation doesn't mean anything. But once you know John's situation, this is one of the quintessential challenges of our faith, challenges of the faith of both believers and non-believers. And it starts right here. Who was John the Baptist? The single greatest preacher, teacher, and prophet maybe ever before Jesus. Was Isaiah amazing? Yes. Was Jeremiah amazing? Yes. But John spanned both the Old and the New Testament. He existed, all right, in the ways of the old, the prophets prior to Jesus, but he existed also after Jesus had come into the world. He was old school and new school, and he was the one literally who brought down spiritual mountains and spirit, uh, filled in spiritual valleys and took people who were off the path and straightened the road out just like they would for a king. We learned this 8, 9, 10, 12 weeks ago, all right? He literally made the paths straight for the coming king. He preached him. Then he baptized him. John is the man. Now, Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, healing the sick, crossing the sea, feeding 5,000, all of this stuff is going on. And John the Baptist is where? in jail. Not only is he in jail, but he's never getting out. Not only is he in jail and never getting out, but it won't be long before they come after him, cut his head off, and bring it to the king's uh, daughter, granddaughter, wife, whatever. It's all mixed in there in an ugly little scene. This is the way it's supposed to be! Woohoo! I preached Jesus! The Messiah came and Rome is getting stronger! That's what I... Can I ask y'all a question? Is there anybody in here honest enough and the rest of y'all liars? Is there anybody in here honest enough to say they've had doubts about this whole Jesus thing? Come on. Some of y'all are like, nope. 
Nope, uh uh-uh, not in church, not before Jesus. If I do not raise my hand and I do not acknowledge that I have doubted, then Jesus won't know. Come on! Does he know your thoughts? While you were doubting, was he checked out? All right, did he go out for lunch and then come back? No. Listen, it creeps in. I'll be driving down the road. Guys, I'm 30 years in. Sometime in June or July, 30 years ago, a 16-year-old got in the pulpit at Ganoe Avenue Baptist Church in Georgetown, Kentucky for the first time. It's been 30 years this summer, June or July. I don't remember when. All right, it's the first sermon I ever preached outside of my home church. 30 years later, here we are. And guess what? Even in the last couple months, I was driving down the road and the devil, a cricket, I don't know, some, no offense, Snyders, um, something, <laughs> something was like, what, what if, what if, you know, what if it's just live your life? What if I, what if I've been getting up every day for 46 years, every Sunday? What if I've been reading scriptures? What if I've been intending it? What if I've dedicated 30 years of my life to making money off of people who want to hear what the scripture has to say? What if it's, what if it's not? I have done that even recently. I know that it is. I would die for the fact that I believe that it is. But it creeped in. What am I supposed to feel guilty about this? No, I'm supposed to study and show myself approved. No, I'm supposed to look God in the eye and I'm supposed to ask. No, I'm supposed to be like David caught back in the middle of a cave. Everybody wants him dead. Saul's trying to chase him down, writing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? And then like, oh, God is so good. God is so good. And in his heart, he's like, I hate him now, you know? And he's not being real. So he finally comes out to the edge of the mountain and goes, what the? You know, he doesn't say anything that you shouldn't say. But he's mad, right? And he yells, where are you? I'm sick of this. And God goes, ha. It's about time. It is about stinking time. You've been down there writing your happy little Psalm number 127, Psalm number 128. Look at me, I'm David. And in your heart, you're angry. Church, can I get a witness? Singing your songs, but ticked off at your spouse. Singing your songs, but upset about your job. Singing your songs, but your kids are driving you up a wall. God, you don't oh, Come on! This is John at the prison gates going, what the? Are you sure? Were you just faking? Are you, is this a, you know, quarterback sneak, a flea flicker? What's going on? It's a football play for the rest of you. <laughs> Trick play. That's what this is. Rome's still growing. Herod's still on the throne. You're running around making dead kids alive again. When are you going to get to the change in everything? Nobody? Just me? Am I the only loser in the house? Been doubting Jesus? See, here's the thing. There's never been anything Jesus has said he was going to do that he didn't do. There's never been a thing in the history of the world that God said was going to happen that did not happen. And everything that he said was going to happen that has not yet happened 
It's going to happen. It's never been any different. It's not that he's not doing what is supposed to be done. It's that he's not doing what we thought he should have done. It's not a matter of whether or not Jesus can't see, feel, hear, or understand us. It's a matter that we can't see, feel, or hear, understand him. His ways are higher than our ways. And John just lost sight. He wasn't a bad dude. He just lost sight. He wasn't a bad teacher, preacher, minister. He just, his emotions, his situation got overwhelming. Can I get a witness? But you know what he didn't do? He didn't sit around and, and bash Jesus in front of his disciples. He didn't call Herod and said, hey, Jesus isn't coming through. Let me join your team. He didn't give up on anything. You know what he did? He did what you need to do. He went to the source. He couldn't get out of jail, but his disciples could. Go ask Jesus. And they did, right? Those two guys run out there and like, like, are you him or should we expect somebody else? <laughs> I know, I know that what I'm about to say is not normal, but you have to understand that I am not saying Jesus did or did not do anything. I'm saying a phrase. Here's the way I see this played out. These two guys are like, listen, John got some questions. And if we're honest, we got some questions. Are you the Messiah, the one doing all these things or not? And Jesus looks up, smiles and says, Peter, hold my beer. It's a phrase. What, you want to hold my grape juice? What? <laughs> Doesn't quite work the same. And he goes on a 60-minute, come here, young man. Woo, come here. Woo, come here. Woo, and he's healing, and he's loving, and he's lifting, and he's setting people free. And then he goes, <clears throat> who's your daddy? Go tell John what you saw. I'm not done. See? To the source. And Jesus does what Jesus always does. He's about his father's business. He's not about your business. Not about my business. Not about NBC's business. Not about Edgewood's business. He's about the father's business. And if we were all about the father's business and we all understood that the father's never wrong and we all knew that the father's going to make all things good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, we wouldn't worry either. Jesus never worried. Don't think Jesus never wanted to question. Father, let this cup pass from me. Even Jesus got a little heavy hearted when times got tough and said, can we take a detour? I I know the path is this way. Can we go around the cross thing? You're not alone. That's what's going on here. And Jesus has fun with it. He's like, I'm, 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 I'm having a little fun. Now go tell him what you saw. Not what anybody saw, what you saw. Right? And then he takes, he takes up for his boy. Everybody's like, well, John's disciples, what's he doing questioning you, Jesus? Y'all know some of you in the room are thinking that. I've never doubted God. I led 17 children to Jesus this week in art camp and painted the Sistine Chapel with my eyes closed. Come on. That's what these people did. They're like, oh, you're so awesome, Jesus. It's a good thing we're not like those guys and doubt you. Oh, come on. That's what the Pharisees are doing. Who, does he think, who do they think they are? Oh, my goodness, all of these sinners. 
And Jesus looks at him and he says, wait, 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 wait. All of y'all who went running out into the wilderness, what were you going after? A guy who says this thing and then says this thing and then says this thing? No, nobody wants to listen to a two-sided guy. Were you going out because he was rich and fancy and on a pedestal? No, he wore deer skin and ate locusts. He wasn't that. Why were you going out there? Because he preached me. He preached a gospel of repentance. That's why you went out there. And he's the best there's ever been, comma. But... Where is it? You saw more than a prophet, but one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Some of us are sitting here and we're like, I don't, I don't know what that means. It's very simple. John got to experience the kingdom, all right, in his heart as he, as he was spoken to by the Spirit, Okay? but he was going to die before the promise is fulfilled. John's not going to be there when all of the sin of all of the world is sucked into one point in time and space and history and geography. And when all of that sin is exploded into nothingness and is washed away. And the Son of God dies, which should be impossible, except that he's also human. And three days later, he rises from the grave only to live eternally and do exactly what he said. John never got to see that. And you and I are privy to the kingdom of heaven, living, dying, and rising again. So even the least of us is greater than John because we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. And that scripture, that's all that verse means. You have within you the capacity for all space and all time and all power and all glory and all honor to be within you. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline. The same power that spun the world, flung the world into existence. The same uh, love that stayed nailed to the cross and drank from the cup. The same self-discipline that lived a perfectly sinless life so that he could be the unblemished lamb that takes away the sins of the world. That power is available to you if and only if you're in a relationship with God. I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Let's be clear about something. If, if there is nothing else preached, that is the quintessential truth. That is the truth that must never go away. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So if somebody doesn't have Jesus, they're going to hell. Absolutely. Without question, the end. Well, Craig, that is one of the most arrogant things that could ever be said. You are absolutely correct. Yesterday morning in, in men's ministry, I quoted David. didn't quote him. I was telling them about a David Platt video I saw where he was standing in India with 1.3 million people. Just, just sea, a sea of people. And he said, I was overwhelmed by this truth. Here they are growing up in a country and they've never known. And I'm about to say, if you do not have Jesus, all of you will go to hell. And, and I am overwhelmed with the pride and the arrogance and the conceit of that statement. And he said, you know what? The center of our teaching is probably the most prideful and arrogant thing that could ever be said on this planet. Our way is the only way. Unless it's true. He said, then I was overwhelmed with this. It is the most arrogant thing, unless it's true. And then, not saying it is the most hateful thing I could ever do, and saying it is the most loving. 
it goes from the most arrogant thing to the most loving thing with one thing. Do you believe that it's true? I didn't set the standard. I didn't say this is the mark. I didn't say this is the line you have to cross in order to get in. I don't say who's good enough or bad enough. In fact, I don't believe you can be good enough or bad enough. I believe that it is Jesus and only Jesus. Either the batteries are in the light and it comes on or they're not in the light and it doesn't. The end for me. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you will be with him forever in glory and his kingdom will reign with you in your hearts and you will reign with him. And if not, hell is waiting. And that is not something that I said. That is not something that I set forth, but it is the most loving thing I could ever say. And we will never stray from that here. Jesus is the way, period. And I love you enough to say, have him, find him, ask him, get him. And there are two types of people in the world, those who do and those who don't. Consider the rest of the passage. When Jesus spoke, there were two types of people. All of the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. What does that mean? They acknowledged Jesus was right. Why? Because they had been baptized by John. If we go back to the teaching, what does that mean? It means John preached not just a baptism of water, but a baptism of repentance. It means that if someone is humble, if someone recognizes their sin, if someone knows that their way is not the only way and that their way will never get them in, they can turn from what they think is their way, their law, their hope, their abilities to get there. They can drop their pride, humble themselves before the Lord, and they can be saved. But if not... If not, if you cannot say, I am not good enough, if you cannot say, I am not smart enough, I am not pretty enough, I am not good enough to get in. If you cannot humble yourself, if there is no repentance, there is no salvation. If you do not know you are sick, you'll never get to the doctor to be well. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law, the people who thought their knowledge could get them in, rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized. They were not willing to repent. There are two types of people in the world. Those who say, I can, I will, and my way is right. And those who say, I am a sinner in need of a savior. One is in hell. The other is in heaven. The end. What do I compare this to, says Jesus? Like children sitting in the marketplace. We played the pipe. Listen, guys, it's the same there are those who dance to the music and those who do not. It's a very, very simple thing. But the difference is, people who are all about themselves, people who will not repent, people who will not humble themselves will always have an excuse. There will never be a right enough. We live in this world today. It's always right if I like it, okay? It's always right if I like it. And then if I stop liking it, the next thing that I like is what's right. What is right is what I feel. What is right is what I, I can love who I want to love. I can live how I want to live. I can have surgery to be who I want to be. I can believe what I want to be. And all of us are going to end up in the same place. The problem is it changes with everything that comes. And Jesus dealt with it. John the Baptist came. He did not eat bread. He did not drink wine. And the Pharisees yell, you're a demon. Well, I come. I eat, drink the wine. I eat the bread. And you call me a glutton and a drunkard. Is there any way to win? No, there is never a way to win the selfish. There is never a party in the kingdom of heaven for the self-righteous. When it stops being about you and starts being about him, everything changes. That 
is a baptism of repentance. And that is why Jesus said, there's never going to be a good enough way. I am the way. The line is Jesus, the end. And there will be those who argue that line for centuries and the argument will change. And there will be those who say, I don't know it. I don't understand it. I don't get it, but I believe it with all my heart and I give my life to it. Even when I doubt. Even when things don't go my way. Even when I screw it up royally. I still believe that he didn't and that he never will. And that the kingdom of heaven was made for such as these. Sinners like me. The quintessential question isn't a matter of what God is doing or a matter of whether or not you can see. It's a matter of whether or not you will. It's not about ability. It's about willingness. And most of the time, it is you that is in the way. Time and time again in the scriptures, we have preached this. If anyone would be my disciple, he must deny Satan. No, he must deny the Tennessee volunteers. No, he must deny the Presbyterians and the Catholics. No, he must deny what? Let's pray. Oh, turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We are but a vapor, this life but a whisper, a tiny blip, a tiny blip on the continuum of time. Yet God, in his wisdom and grace, has called every one of us into an opportunity to live that life alongside him a life with hope, joy, peace, patience, and love, or a life with all of those things removed. All of them. Hopelessness, darkness, anger, bitterness for all eternity, or hope, joy, peace, comfort, light for all eternity. God, move in our hearts because only you, only you can reach down and yank some of us out of the way. (laughs) You came to seek and save. God, do it. Seek, whisper, yell if you have to. Drive, Drive Paul to his knees on the road to Damascus and bring our friends, our family, our spouses, our children, our neighbors, our communities, bring them to Jesus so that the celebration continues. In Jesus' name, amen.